Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus told many different sorts of parables. Some were short, others were long. Some were simple stories, others rather complex. All of them, however, were designed not only to illustrate a point, but to make us think. And a big part of that thinking process is using your imagination to place yourself inside the parable and ask, where do I fit into this story? And then to see how its lesson applies to you. Which means that some, if not most, of Christ's parables make us uncomfortable as Christ's disciples. The parable of the talents, which we read in today's Gospel, Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, is one that particularly puts us on edge because we are uneasy identifying with any of its characters. It's obvious that none of us is in the place of the master, which means that we are represented in the story by the servants. And as independent, free-minded individuals, we don't particularly like being servants. And some translated here, slaves. But the real issue is that each of us must ask of those servants, which one am I? Now, we like the idea of hearing the master's well done, good and faithful servant, but we are not so inclined to say, yeah, I'm the five talent guy, or I'm the two talent servant. We might tell ourselves that this reluctance or hesitation is, is because in humility, we don't want to presume that we merit any kind of reward. But the real reason, much of the time, is that we look at what preceded that praise from the Master, the doubling of their talents through immediate and diligent labor, and we say to ourselves, boy, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm not sure I'd ever actually do that. And that leaves us with the third servant as the only remaining option. But we really don't like the way things turn out with that one. Of course, there's also another reason this parable makes us uncomfortable. It speaks very explicitly about money and how it is used. We would rather not, at least not in our spiritual context, talk about money because it is something tangible and measurable. And so, often when we discuss this parable, we move quickly past the fact that a talent is money and a lot of it, move past that to the more figurative and abstract interpretations of what our individual or, or group talents might be, like skills, opportunities, and spiritual gifts, things, areas where our faithfulness or not in giving is 
harder to measure or evaluate. But as uncomfortable as this parable might make us, it is important for us to wrestle with its meaning. Not just in a general or theological sense, but personally and practically. It actually presents us with a key question for Christians. Convenience or conviction? Now you might say, wait, Pastor, I don't see those words in there anywhere. True. But the choice between convenience and conviction is what illustrates the difference between the first two servants and the third. Consider that third servant. What was wrong with who he was or what he did? It would be easier for us and more comfortable for us if he were a murderer or rapist or a, a drug dealer or pornographer. But no, he is just one of his master's servants. He doesn't actually do anything particularly evil. He doesn't steal or embezzle anything or even act dishonestly. What earns his master's condemnation you wicked servant, is his doing nothing. He does not use what he has been given for the purpose it has been given. He does not care about his master's interests. All he cares about is his own convenience. Because putting his talent to work would be, well, work. It might require sacrifice, or risk, or discomfort, or effort. He might not get to watch his football games, or play golf, or Minecraft. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he decided not to do it. His laziness was a rebellion against his master and his master's will. We can imagine the other two servants urging him to, to take that money and, and get to work with it, and him answering, leave me alone so I can do what I want. Contrast that attitude with that of the other two servants. Note that it's not their accomplishments that make the difference. The master rewards both the same because he didn't need the profits from their putting the talents to work, but he valued his servant's faithfulness with those talents. They knew what their master wanted. They were eager to do it, and so they did it diligently. He rewarded them because they were faithful with what he had entrusted to them. And why were they faithful? Because they knew their master. The lazy servant knew him too, but he let that influence him only so far as to make sure that he didn't lose what he'd been given. But the other two, the other two knew that they had a master who valued them. After all, he had entrusted small fortunes to each of them. And they knew that this master would reward them richly when he returned. They had a conviction about their master. 
And that led them to confidence that their hard work on his behalf and in his name would be noticed and would be worthwhile despite the effort, risk, discomfort, lost convenience, and foregone pleasures. And so we draw the comparison to our own lives and attitudes. We will also be faithful with what is entrusted to us and expected of us. Not because of our past, present, or future accomplishments, not because they make any difference, but because we know our Master. We know God, our Lord. We know that He values us beyond measure, and we know He intends to reward us richly. We are confident of this because we know what He has already done for us. He gave His one and only Son to be our Savior from sin and death. No price can be set. No estimation can be given for what this cost Him. The Father in heaven, Almighty Lord, gave His Son over to suffering and death to be the object of His righteous wrath over man's rebellion. The Son gave up His place in heaven and His rights and privileges as Lord of all to become human like us. The Creator becoming equal with the created. And He submitted Himself to deprivation, disrespect, injustice, abuse, scourging, mockery, nails, splinters, scorn, and yes, death on the cross. The price of all the world's sin, disobedience, and rebellion was laid on Him and He paid it in blood. All to take away our sins to defeat death and the devil, and then with His resurrection to, to seal our justification and secure eternal life for all who trust in Him and His work for us. That, that is how much our Savior God values us. We who were sinners first, but whom He claimed as His children and then called as His servants and disciples. And He rewards our faith in Him, not with silver or gold, but with His presence and eternal life with Him in it. In paradise, where they use the gold to pave the streets. We have this conviction about our Lord and Savior. And it leads us not to laziness or ingratitude, but to action and generosity to service and sacrifice, to usefulness and selflessness. Because we know that our work and our giving to God's glory and in His name is always noticed, always valued, and eternally worthwhile, despite any arduous effort, risk, discomfort, lost convenience, or foregone pleasures. This is our joy now and will be our even greater joy on the day that our Lord greets us and says, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. But the parable of the talents also has a warning. Not because Jesus wants to tamp down our excitement at service and giving, but because he cares. He, he wants us to gain blessings. He does not want us to lose anything that he has given to us. But loss is the consequence of the convenience that the third servant prioritizes. When the master calls him to account, he has no excuse. And even what he has is taken away from him. And he is thrown out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The loss of our faith and eternity in hell is not what our Savior wants for us. And it's not what we want either. We want to be given even more than what we have and in abundance. Because that is what our Master has promised us. That is what He wants for us. And that's what He will do for His servants who are full of faith and faithful. Now, there are many other insights from the story of these talents and other questions that could be asked. But today, we have readied ourselves to answer the key question. Convenience or conviction? Which will motivate you and drive your decisions? Those who prioritize convenience look at what they've been given and what's asked of them and say, what a pain. I'll, I'll do the minimum to hold on to what I have. And eventually they lose even that. But those who are animated by their conviction that the Lord is gracious, generous, and ready to reward, instead look at what they have been given and say, wow, what a master. Of course I will put all of this and put myself to work. This is my calling, and this is my joy. So may it be for all of us, for God's beloved children, Christ's disciples. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.